Would you turn in your Bibles to Psalm 46? Psalm 46 is found on page 598 of your pew Bibles. Before we read, let's ask for God's blessing. Father in heaven, as we turn to a great song, a great song of praise, we ask that it would bring to us a trust and a conviction, a firm and solid foundation of your abiding care, of your protection, of your ability to reach even into this world and be for us a refuge. That you, this is not just something that sounds nice. It is not just poetic language. It is speaking of what is true for your people. You are indeed a refuge, a solid foundation, a strong protection. Help us to see this in you. Help us to know this in our Savior. We ask in his name. Amen. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariot with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Thus ends the reading of this psalm. And what a beautiful psalm that it is. What an amazing message to read. There's probably no better illustration of this psalm and of its might and what it means to us. There's probably no better example than in Martin Luther, who wrote a a song based on this psalm that we are very familiar with. We know that Martin Luther was a leading figure of the Reformation. We also know, if you read the history of that time in the Reformation, he was a tremendous figure. He literally changed, in in many ways, the course of the world itself. Is is that too strong to say? What, What he did there was amazing. And do we lay it all at his feet? No. Martin Luther was a man bereft of any hope and any confidence and had no strength. And he went from a scared monk who couldn't even leave his cloister because he could only confess his sin and feel his own wretchedness 
He couldn't even leave that, and the only way he was able was the truth of what this psalm conveys, that it is the Lord who is our strength. It is the Lord who is our refuge. It is the Lord who is our fortress. And by the Lord's might, he used an insignificant man, another German monk, and changed the world. Now, we look at him. He's a great example of that. But is that truth any less true in your life? No, it isn't. The same God is your fortress. The same God is your refuge. The same God is your strength. The strength of his people. One author says about Martin Luther that he led the way in the Reformation, not just in word, but in song. He wrote nearly 40 hymns, many of which he composed not only the words, but even the music. His most famous, of course, is A Mighty Fortress is Our God. That is based on this psalm. It was often called the Battle Hymn of the Reformation. The song embodies with strength and gusto the very spirit of the Reformation, breaking free from the weakness and poverty of medieval theology with rich God-confidence. And that's what that song does, but, but it's just based on what this psalm is. A great representation of the God-confidence that, that not just that pastors would have the people know, not just that theologians would have the people know, but that our Father in Heaven would have you know your God-confidence and your refuge and your strength against all. We see that the inspiration for much of this hope is in these verses, and it doesn't even take any type of explanation to understand what it is. Verses 1 and 2, God is our refuge and strength. He's a very present help in trouble, therefore we will not fear. That shows the purpose of the psalm right there. The end goal is that we find such security in God and his strength that we won't fear. And then it proceeds to display all these things that should make you fear. All these things that would bring you into turmoil if you were to witness them, and yet we won't fear because God is our strength. That's what the psalm says. The Lord of hosts, this is verses 7 and also verse 11. The Lord of hosts is with us. Verse 11, the God of Jacob is our fortress. God confidence. In that song, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, Luther does a good job of applying this psalm to the Christian life. And what he does is he names what's present behind this psalm. He names the personal agent behind the chaos. It's the devil it's his minions, the, the agent behind the destruction and the wrath and the wars. It's the devil. And then Luther also puts a human face to the person who is our strength. And it's Jesus Christ, our fortress. And it's with that truth we see this hymn. And if you're following the structure, I want us to see where this psalm goes, how it flows, how it's broken up. The first three verses of this battle hymn shows God's power and trust in the natural realm and specifically God's power in a natural realm in upheaval. It's God's power and his strength in nature when all chaos is broken forth. Verses 4 through 7 shows his power and his strength and the believer's trust in the city. In his city, as well as the contrast between the city of God and the city of, of his people to the world and their kingdoms. 
And then verses 8 through 11 show the power of God and our faith in him in the context of nations at war. So those are the three settings. The psalm presents to us nature and its upheaval, cities and even turmoil, wars and kingdoms at war. All these things should bring to us great fear. All these things should be those that would cause us not to trust, but we would think to run and hide. But no, because God is our refuge and strength, we will not fear. As we go through this, I want you to think of that refrain, we will not fear. You can think of that for every line of this psalm. Though the mountains be thrown in the heart of the sea, we will not fear. Though kingdoms wage war, we will not fear. Though all is broken, we will not fear. So first, God, our refuge and strength in nature's upheaval. What is a refuge? A refuge is a condition of being safe or sheltered from pursuit and from danger. It's to be, to be braced against trouble. It's the refuge. It's where you go when, when everything is falling apart. It's that safe room. It's that storm shelter. But God is that for us, our refuge. He's also called our strength. What, what do we see in that? Well, strength can be applied in many ways. It could be referring to a physical strength. It could be referring to the strength of like a structure and its ability to withstand pressures. It could be referring to power, and I would say that all of the above is what it's referring to here in the Lord as our strength. That he has the state of being, in that sense, this is putting human language to God, that he has that physical power, that strength. He has the capacity to withstand great force and pressures, and in the context of this psalm, such pressures as mountains trembling and all the forces of the sea bearing against our refuge, and yet our refuge doesn't even shift. It doesn't totter. Because God is our refuge and strength. It cannot be overcome. It can't be pushed down. They all characterize our God. He is powerful, sturdy. He's mighty. He's hardy. He endures. When you follow this reasoning, then, since God is our refuge and strength, ask yourself this question. Are you strong? Are you strong? It's a bit of a tricky question, right? Because on the one hand, we would say, certainly not. No, we're weak. We're right to say that, but... Can you argue with the logic here? It's pretty simple. If God is your strength, are you strong? It must be yes. See, it isn't our power, but insofar as we are huddled into, calmly, calmly nestled into the refuge of God, we are strong. So strong that the world being ripped apart will cause us no fear. You are strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And that's a very encouraging thought against what we face and against our fears that we think we can't 
stand against that. We can't bear these burdens, but in God, yes, you can. That's the point. You will not fear, though these things happen. The Lord is your refuge. The Lord is your strength. This makes a Christian, apart from God himself, this makes a Christian the strongest entity on earth itself, doesn't it? Yes. Because we are tucked into God and his grace and his power. This makes the faith, our faith, our trust, something that nothing can withstand and nothing can bring down. Power of God. The psalm reminds us, both now and in the future, that the only place to be safe, the only place for us to find this strength when everything is falling apart is by being near God. You see in this psalm's robust tone, it's even a defiant tone, that what it's doing to these calamities is it's, it's taunting them. The psalmist is even taunting that the, the mightiest powers of the earth and what you could do in defiance, he stands and says, I will not be afraid, no matter what you do. So we are in the Lord. It also could have been composed during a time of great turmoil in Israel. Do we know that for sure? We don't. But it's not a hard stretch to think that this psalmist wrote this psalm when there was great turmoil going on. And in defiance to that turmoil, he put forward the God confidence that we have. And that's exactly why we need to hear this psalm. It's exactly why we need to know it to find our rest and strength in him. You have no reason to fear. That's what's befitting a Christian. God is our refuge and strength, and it says a very present help in trouble. What does that mean? It means something like very easy to find. He is not hard to reach. He's very quick to respond. He's, he's a very present help. He's there. It's not as if there's a problem. You know, what, what, what happens for us is we have a problem and we have to call 911, but there's a delay. How long will they get there? When will they arrive? When will help be there? Well, God isn't that way. He's there already. He's a very present help. He's already there. He responds immediately. He's our refuge and strength always. Now, now we have to be careful with this. Because what we might want to do is take that and then say, in our trials and struggles, when we don't feel good and we don't feel like he's there and responding to think he's not here, he's not a very present help. But the reality is, he is there. And when you need him most, he is there for his people he upholds you and gives you strength. That doesn't mean he won't allow us to sweat it out a bit. But that means we should not ever doubt. He's always with us. He's always present. A very present help. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way. The mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam. The mountains tremble at its swelling. This is cataclysm. I think this would probably most aptly describe what had happened in the flood itself that covered the earth. I don't think you can imagine a greater storm, a greater natural disaster than this. He starts with the mountains. Even now to us, it's hard for us to picture on the flat plains of Illinois and Indiana, but mountains are mighty. 
When you look at towering mountains, you can't help but feel a sense of being small and belittled as you look up. And they're made of the very bedrock of the earth. They're strong. What could cause these to totter and fall down? The earth itself is moving. The earth is falling apart. And the seas are assailing the mountains. And the mountains fall. These symbols of might and strength fall into the hearts of the seas. This world is split apart. And yet in that fear... We have our refuge and strength. The sea, as well, was that depiction of chaos in the ancient world. It was the, it was the, de- the depiction of Sheol and the depths. And it comes to assail the mightiest things of earth, and the mightiest things on earth fall. And yet, what is mightier than a mountain? What is stronger than the sea? A Christian in the hands of the Father. And so we will not fear this cataclysm when the storms strike. Storms can be very scary when they're powerful and nature is at its its strongest. Makes us cower. And yet, in the greatest of calamities, God will make us strong. That's God's power in the realm of nature. Now we see our refuge and strength, that God is our refuge and strength in city turmoil. I'm going to read it this way. I tried to read it this way in the reading of the text, but notice this beautiful transition, that the first half you can read it as very loud, as it's meant to convey what's all going on with these words. And then there's a transition, okay? I'm going to read it again. Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling... There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. Reading it that way, what it does is it shows you in the midst of this turmoil and cataclysm and all this this sound of the seas and falling mountains, we in the Psalms take a step out of the storm and all of a sudden you're in a beautiful city and you're next to a, a river walk. A tranquil, peaceful river is flowing down the center of a gorgeous city, and all is well. The wind is blowing, mountains are falling, but in the city of the Lord, in our city, notice this, the waters have been tamed. The waters were assailing the mountains. The waters were covering the earth in the previous section, but in the city of God, the waters have just become a peaceful river. Chaos is tamed. In God's city and his strength, he can take what is the the greatest powers of the world and run them straight through his orderly city without a threat to it. Chaos, the waters, they become tamed and they become a provision of peace in God's city. What is God's city? Is this earthly Jerusalem? Is this heavenly Jerusalem? What is this? Well, there's a correspondence between the two, and I think we should see that. I don't think it's one or the other here necessarily. I think there is an application here to the earthly Jerusalem insofar that it represents the heavenly Jerusalem, insofar that though the heavenly Jerusalem is God's city where he dwells eternally, he has made his abode with his people in the earthly Jerusalem. And that was the idea here for the psalmist and for them, that even on this earth, in God's city, 
all that was happening in the world would be at peace there. And that's what's ultimately true in God's city. This clearly, though, does have a representation to what is heavenly. Biblical language picks up this river through a city or a dwelling all the time. It picks up on the language that we have of the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden that was watered with these rivers that flowed through it. There it was in the dwelling place of man that God had created for him. There was a river, rivers that watered it. You can think of Ezekiel 47 where there is a river in this prophetic vision that issues from the threshold of the temple. We're also going to read from Revelation 22, 1 through 5, this picture of what is the true Jerusalem in Revelation 22, 1. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. There's the river through the city of the Lord and what it means and, and conveys there. And so you see what that psalm is saying. The city of God has the river of life instead of waters of death. And so we will not fear, though the earth gives way. We are in the city of God, our city. Say that with pride, our city. Where we belong, where we dwell, and it isn't in the world that's falling apart, but the city of God. Notice as well, it says, God will help her when morning dawns. God will help her when morning dawns. That Hebrew phrase, translated as morning dawns, is the same one used when the waters rushed over Pharaoh's army in Exodus 14.27. Exodus 14.27 says, So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared, or when the morning dawned. And as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. You then see there's a correspondence between the deliverance of the Lord and the morning dawning, as well as in the history of Israel itself, when God manipulated the waters and chaos and floods to destroy the enemies of his people. At the morning dawn, salvation comes, is the idea. At the morning dawning, the deliverance of the Lord is there, and he controls the waters. The stability of God's city, notice now, is contrasted with the tottering kingdoms and nations. Look at that. The, the nations rage. They're raging against each other, and yet they totter. And it's quite refreshing to hear this, since it's in these two things, in kingdoms, nations, that we find so much turmoil ourselves and so much fear in what's going to happen, and yet they totter and are of nothing. One pastor said it well this way, Isn't the description of nations raging and kingdoms tottering a good description of what we see we see that in our own systems, raging and tottering back and forth. 
And the sad thing is sometimes Christians get confused and think, well, if we get better at the raging and tottering, then we can fix this. That we can make it much better. We just got to get our totterer in there. We just got to get our rager in there. We just, just put all our devotion into the kingdoms and the nations of the earth. Then we'll make it better. And we devote all our attention to that. Not that that's a, a wrong thing to be involved. But in the context of Psalm 46, what we see is that those things are weak. Those things fall. They, they're, they're unstable. They're affixed to a very poor foundation. And so the whole structure is just, it's, it's, you know what a tottering structure is. There it is. It's back. It's forth. It's, it's like, when is it going to fall? You play that game Jenga and you pull out the blocks. And, and as it gets taller and its base is weak and its foundations aren't there, the whole tower just totters back and forth. And, and a little breeze, a little touch just sends it falling apart. That's the nations and the kings of the world, the kingdoms. They totter and fall. And in the context of Psalm 46, this gives us hope. We find rest there. But they're no match to God. They're not secure, but God is. The earth will melt away. And so there we see that God is our refuge and strength in the city. And finally, we see God, our refuge and strength in the warring world. Verse 8 opens with a call to come and behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. So what the psalm is telling us to do, and it's a bit strange to our hearing, it's saying, come and behold what the Lord has done. And what has the Lord done in this context? He has caused desolations. What does that mean? It means he has defeated all his enemies, and he has done so and brought those desolations to them all. He has caused the, war, the world's wars to cease. And, and though the outcome is peace, the way that peace is achieved isn't through a tranquil coming to grips with a better reason. No, God brings it to peace through judgment and power. And the world and its desolations have been, have been ended. The wars are no more. It's not a gentle persuasion. It's a devastating, forcible disarmament which is meant to show and front the power of our God in his military might. The armies that fall before him, the kingdoms that he pushes over. And then verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. We probably just take that and think it means be comforted. Know that I am God. But there's a difference of opinion on this. And why would we say that? Well, in the context, some would say that the, the immediate context and that be still, that command to be still, is not in the first place a comforting call, but rather a rebuke to the turbulent world. So it's something like God coming before the nations and saying, Quiet! Stop! It's that word of command. Be still! As like a rebuke. And some will say that's what it means, and others will say, no, it's, it's be still in the confidence of God. How do we reconcile the two? Well, the call, would, uh, the call of be still, stop, be quiet, would be a rebuke to the warring world, wouldn't it? That's what they're doing. They're fighting. They're fighting against God. And God would come in and tell them to be still, and that's a word of rebuke. But what about to his people? 
His people who aren't in that, who aren't fighting that, would that same command actually be seen as that source of comfort? And yes, it would. So the command cease, stop, to the world and its armies and its wars is as well to us, well, be still and know that that's what he's doing. Understand what the Lord is accomplishing here. So we can, we can see it in both ways. Be, be confident. Be comforted, be still, and know that the Lord is powerful and mighty. And that's the whole point of Psalm 46. God telling the warring world to be quiet is music to our ears. This psalm shows us the nature of God. He's all-powerful, he's all-loving, he's a refuge, he's strength, he's sovereignty. He rules over the universe and all creation. This psalm shows us the faith of believers in that strong, almost defiant taunting of the, the evils of the world. God is our strength and our faith is in him and we're secured. We can find the capacity to increase our faith and strength in meditating on these words, trusting them. The psalm also speaks to unbelievers in what would be the case in the outcome of those who aren't in refuge with the Lord and those who war against him and those part of the kingdoms. They're, they're not part of the city of God. They're not walking down a tranquil river walk. They're in the seas that are raging and foaming and thrashing about. We are called to consider and behold the fears of the world, but in the context of security in God. That's what the psalm is saying. It's saying, look and see. See the context of the world. See their fear. But we stand in tranquil city in the blessing of the Lord our God. Whatever the turmoil and the nature of, of what's going on in the world and its storms, whatever is going on in the kingdoms and cities of the world, whatever is going on in the wars, Christ reigns. Christ is supreme. And the, the, the true application of this psalm is to see that all of this is, is accomplished in Christ, and, and as well as he is our security and our fortress. He is our strength. And we can say that because you see in Jesus the one who has the power over the waters and over the nature and over the storms. At one time he calmed it by the word of his mouth. Here he is in flesh. There he is the one who can control the rivers and, and storms of the world. He has the power over it. He is the sovereign ruler. We see his power over the kingdoms. He is the one to set up the kingdom that destroys all the other kingdoms. He is the vehicle God the Father uses to accomplish the desolation of the wars of the world. It's Jesus. And Jesus is our fortress and our security. Where do we find, as Luther so aptly saw in application of this psalm, it's in Jesus Christ. Against the devil, against all that he would do, our security is in Christ alone. He is the one to come and fulfill Psalm 46 in all its grandeur and its fullness. And we see that our refuge is in his hands and our strength is in Jesus God with us. The victory that Christ achieves. Martin Luther's song, A Mighty Fortress, is based on these. And he does a wonderful job of showing that connection to Christ and what it means for us. That's how we apply it. We take the psalm and we find strength. We find strength in our Lord Jesus. 
who holds us and protects us and brings us to his city, even opposed to the world and its wars, contrary to the desolation of judgment and nature, Christ is supreme. And so, people of God, we will not fear, though all the earth gives way. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we turn to you and are humbled by the words of this psalm, but also greatly encouraged encouraged to see your power, to see your might, and to know that it has come, and you have come in Christ, who is our mighty fortress, our great deliverer, the one who thwarts the devil, the one at whom, at whose name, Jesus, the devil flees and is, a, is frightened of, runs. Our fortress is in you, our God, our Savior. Let it bear fruit in our life. May we truly be those then who will not fear. We ask this in your name. Amen.